Hey, welcome to Crazy Beats Big. This is a podcast powered by Rhino. I'm hosting today. I'm Kevin Romeo. I'm really excited because we're having uh, Brian Pape on, who is the founder and CEO of Mir, which is a really awesome premier uh, drinkware company. And backstory on Brian, I actually, um, when we started our coffee shop here at Rhino called Civil House, our director of coffee, Mac, was really excited about Mir and wanted to use Mir products. Uh, but we weren't able to pull the trigger quick enough once we started the company. So we've been following them for a while just as fans. And then I was at Catalyst University here in Kalamazoo uh, back in, I think, January. And Brian was one of the speakers, a good speaker. He's an entrepreneur, though, first. And what I love about that is I I really connect with, um, when I go to a conference or event, I connect with people who aren't actually just speakers and authors first, but they're actual practitioners of the business uh, or the the philosophies they're espousing. Not that authors and, and, and speakers who are just that professional by trade don't do that, but there's something there's something for me in the authentic sharing of stories from entrepreneurs to those conferences I really connect with. So I'm excited about uh, talking with Brian. And uh, also, fun fact, he was so uh, good at sharing his personal story that probably five minutes into his talk, I ended up getting out and leaving the talk because he talked about when he uh, got in an accident skiing and broke his femur and the thoughts are running through his mind when he was laying on the ground thinking he might die. And his, uh, at that time, girlfriend uh, came across his mind and he realized that he needed to spend more time and focus on what's important in life. And he needed to make her his wife. And it made me think about my wife and how I work so much. And I wanted to prioritize our relationship better than I had in the past. So Brian really, uh, his story spoke to me and I ended up leaving halfway through his talk and then um, going and talking to my wife and calling her and stuff. So super excited to have Brian on and hear about his story and how he created this company uh, and lessons he's learned along the way. So Brian, how are you doing, man? I'm good. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, for sure. So um, to give you a little bit of backstory, Brian, too, like what what this is and what we're doing on this podcast is celebrating stories of entrepreneurship. Um, the title of it is Crazy Beats Big. And um, what we like to tell people is that the idea for the podcast came about from a childhood story of mine where there was uh, a kid on the schoolyard that was getting bullied and, and everyone's had that in their school experience. They've seen that or they were that person. Um, and I witnessed this firsthand that this kid kind of uh, just was taking it for a long time and always getting picked on until one day he just snapped and he kind of went went off on the bully and really made short work of him and taught him a lesson. And I always stuck in the back of my mind that in a, in a fight, if you're willing to go there, you can take on anything. And uh, so the name crazy beats big kind of stuck with me. And so we loved it for this entrepreneurial metaphor um, because I think a lot of people think that they can't um, overcome the big obstacles in their life to get things done. And so uh, you seemed like a perfect person to talk to after we started learning about you and your story and your company. Um, so given that, uh, go ahead and tell me, tell us like how your story, how your story goes and, um, what big obstacles you face and just kind of tell us your story. That'd be awesome. Yeah, for sure. Um, I love, I love that, uh, kind of metaphor cause you know, it, you know, starting off something, uh, there's always people bigger than you. There always will be for the most part, unless, unless yeah. you become big and, and, and I think you're actually more vulnerable and, and, uh, capable of losing when you are big. Cause that's when you get, uh, you get kind of stuck in, in routine and you get comfortable and, and when you're comfortable, that's, that's not a good place to be. So, yeah. 
but yeah, so, so my story, uh, specifically with Mir is, is really a culmination of life experiences for me. So, uh, you know, I, I grew up, um, observing my grandfather who started this, um, company on the West coast and uh, I started after World War II, started off with one shop in Eugene, Oregon, uh, where he was essentially selling uh, Caterpillar equipment, heavy equipment. Nice. And he grew that business up uh, on the West Coast. Now it spans uh, all the way from San Diego to Alaska. And they sell forklifts and genie lifts. And uh, my uncle was the CEO after my, my grandfather and now my cousin uh, is the CEO. And, and I'm, I'm not involved in the family business at all, uh, but I but I was witness to it um, growing up. So nice. I, I saw it firsthand and I saw the impact that my grandfather had. And, um, you know, I was always kind of entrepreneurial uh, growing up. So that, that um, kind of played out in later years that I'll, I'll touch on. And, sure. um, you know, for me, I've always, I've always kind of had this idea of merging business and philanthropy. Um, and, and part of that reason was my grandfather passed away in, in 96 and in 97, my grandma started a foundation in his honor. So from an early age, I was uh, kind of exposed to philanthropy and, and granting and helping kind of positively impact communities uh, where we live. And so, uh, you know, the kind of the traditional model is, you know, you grow a business uh, and then when you have and you've generated wealth and you've amassed wealth, then you then you give back and then you then you help out. And so um, yeah. I've always kind of been drawn to how, what happens if you don't make it to the end of your life. And, and specifically for me in 2006, uh, about three years before I started here, I was involved in a really bad skiing accident ended up hitting a tree while I was filming, um, and, and broke my femur. And for those, Dang. for those who don't know what happens when you break your femur, if you hit your, uh, femur, your, 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 it's the biggest bone in your body and it can actually hit your femoral artery, which is one of the main arteries that runs from your heart out to your body. And so if you, if you hit that artery, you sever it, you can, you can bleed to death in about 10 minutes. And so, um, you know, I I had this life or death experience, um, in 2006 and it was, it was pretty eye opening for me. Um, you know, at the time I was, you know, I I kind of refer to myself as a tool, uh, lots of other (laughs) words could describe me, (laughs) but I was, you know, I was, I was the guy that just wanted to make a bunch of money and, and look out for me as, as number one. And, and, um, you know, I, I certainly, um, you know, didn't want to be like that, but it was just who I was. And so yeah. 2006 had the skiing accident clarified a lot of things for me in my life. Uh, when I was sitting against that tree, you know, it's one of those things where I think ignorance is bliss. Um, you know, if I would not have known about the, the femoral artery and all that, I think I, I might not have had such a clarifying moment. Um, yeah. but I was really lucky to be alive. And, and what I mean by that is my roommate at the time, he had done something similar two years earlier. And he had survived, came back from the hospital and said, hey, never break your femur because if you do, you can die in 10 minutes. So here I am laying against this tree thinking, oh, my gosh, you know, I could die here in, in 10 minutes because I don't know if I've hit my artery or not. And so, yeah. um, you know, two things kind of came to mind. It was it was actually very calm. Um, the first part of it was very like, uh, I think just adrenaline kicks in and, you know, my legs off to the right. And it's it's uh, it's pretty wild. And the first thing I thought about was, you know, I'd been dating my wife for three years Um and I thought my now wife. And so obviously we weren't married while we were dating. <laughs> um, I was trying but, to put that uh, together. And then I realized. Yeah. Like, you're like, yeah. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, you know, I was like, man, I need, you know, this woman's incredible. That, I mean, and that kind of just shows how much of a tool I was like, it took me breaking my leg to be like, all right, I should probably marry her. So yeah. that gives you a little bit of context that, you know, she saw past uh, a lot of my insecurities of who I was trying to be and, and stuck around. So, uh, we ended up getting married a year later. We've been married 11 years since then. We have a beautiful little girl, another one on the way this summer. So, 
you know, that was a, obviously a good decision. Uh, yeah. she's incredible. She actually works at, at, at the brand as well oh, uh, nice. we work together, which is super fun. Um, and then the second thing I thought about was, uh, what would people say about me at my funeral? And I don't know why that came into my head, but it just struck me like, you know, someone who's yeah. very conscious about themselves. Um, I just thought about it and I realized that nobody would have gotten up, uh, like at my grandfather's funeral, uh, and said, you know, amazing things about who I was. Nobody would have said anything great. Um, they would have yeah. said, Brian's a funny guy. You know, I was a jokester. I was a prankster. Like, that would have been who I was in my funeral. And it, and it really struck me because I wanted to be somebody like my, my grandparents. And so, uh, yeah. you know, that kind of shaped and formed who, what I wanted to do moving forward. Um, at that time, I was, a, I was a part owner of a company called Little Hotties Hand Warmers. Hmm. Sold these air-activated hand warmers, like, you know, that, they were at Costco, REI, uh, y'all are out in the Midwest. I think we were, we were selling to, uh, gosh, like MC Sports and, oh, and, yeah. and a bunch of other, Rest and in when peace. they were still around. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so, that, so I was there. We ended up selling the brand in 2009, and that was my opportunity. I learned a ton. Uh, that was kind of a, that was a whole other uh, crazy experience in my life, uh, where, where at the ripe age of 1920, I was the first employee at that company, uh, Rick, the founder, uh, my business mentor was his best friend. So I had this really unique opportunity. I was flying to China back and forth at 20, barely graduated wow. from college. Um, cause I was, I was having a firsthand experience of how to build a business, how to run a business. And so I ended up selling the brand in 2009. Uh, that's when I, I saw this opportunity in the, in the drinkware space in the bottle space, mm -hmm. uh, which as you see now, you know, bottles are, are, are everywhere now. So we were, we were, um, you know, around back in the day with, you know, it was kind of like Stanley and Sig and Nalgene and, Yep. Uh, you know, now it's like Yeti and Swell and Hydro and this company and that company, everyone was trying to copy them. So we, we've yep. flown under the radar a little bit, uh, which has kind of been nice, you know. Um, but that was the opportunity was uh, for me to, to, to design a better looking bottle, more functional. Most of the products in the market were all our secondary uses. So like the SIG bottle was a fuel canister in Europe for a while for backpacking stoves got converted to a bottle. So you have this aluminum vessel, which is toxic, then it's lined with plastic to prevent the toxic aluminum from touching your beverage, which to me was like kind of an odd choice. Yeah. Uh, the whole plastic BPA thing was happening there. So, you know, now I grew up on Nalgene's backpacking. Uh, the plastic turned out to have BPA in it, which can lead to horrible things. So that whole thing kind of led me to be like, let's make a steel bottle. Uh, let's make it really functional, you know, kind of studied how people use products. Yeah. Um, I was not like a, I didn't grow up. I didn't go to school like studying design. I just yeah. My mom was in design. I, I kind of learned aesthetics through her, uh, but just more just logical. Okay. When you take your bottle you stick it in a cup holder, you know, you drink from it, you put ice in there, like let's build something around those daily sure. uses. And so built our first bottle and then, and then really wanted to, to be able to give every single day, something that we would do day in and day out, not wait until 10 years, 20 years from now when the brand was successful to give. And so yeah. start off from day one giving. And so the idea was how do we, how do we merge business and philanthropy one thing led to another. We learned about the clean water crisis, uh, where close to a billion people lack access to clean water. Um, started there, went to Liberia in 2011. So we launched the brand in 2010. Um, okay. and it's funny. I always say, I always say we, you know, like, like there's this whole team yeah, of, yeah. of people, you know, it was like, yeah. it was me. Yeah. Like <laughs> my wife, I mean, my wife was there, uh, you know, at the beginning she was working for Morgan Stanley, okay. um, bringing it, bringing home the bacon. Nice. Uh, it's good to have so to that. Speak, so, it was great. Um, so she helped us get, a, get us on our feet. Uh, launched the brand in 2010. 2011, we went to Liberia, Africa. Had this amazing experience of, of, of seeing the, the need firsthand of, of really giving people transformational experiences through clean water. So 
Awesome. From there, you know, the brand's taken a lot of different turns and, you know, we, we've expanded, we've clarified things. Uh, you know, at one point we had a bicycle line, we had bags, okay. uh, some bags left, some journals, uh, but, but drink, drinkware has kind of always been our core uh, okay. to who we are as a brand. And so, uh, came back from that trip and from that trip, we, we, we really, uh, came up with this fairly innovative idea where I was showing photos from that, that first giving trip to some friends and one of my friends, who was our first customer on our website, said, wait, so the bottle that I bought funded this clean water project. And I was like, yeah, you're right. It totally did. So this huge light bulb went off over my, over my head where you know nobody was showing the connection between doing good and selling a product. And so yeah. I thought uh, that's an opportunity for us to actually be transparent, do something different in the marketplace. And so now every single one of our products has a code on it. You can register it. You can follow along the, the giving initiatives that our company does from clean water and health to uh, food and sustainable systems to, to transportation and education. So um, nice. that's kind of where we are now. Uh, you know, we, we've grown tremendously since 2010. Uh, we have a retail store in Seattle. And the idea there was we're selling drinkware, we're selling to coffee shops, we're selling to breweries. We needed to open up a new office because we had outgrown our space. And so then we said, well, what if we opened an office with a retail presence? And then we started, okay, if we did retail, what would it look like? And, and we wanted it to be different. So it's it's kind of three parts. It's it's a retail store, it's a cafe, and a co-working space. So it's a okay. very experiential retail space. Um, and and it uh, it wasn't always easy, but it's it's getting it's getting a lot of traction now, which is fun. So nice. So there's a couple yeah, things. Yeah, kind of a short story. Yeah, no, no, it's good. It's good. Um, there's a couple things in there I want to expand upon. Um, so I think I told this before, but something that's just, I think cool is, um, and I want to get into this part of it too, but I heard you speak at an event and when you were telling your story, uh, I actually left halfway through or partway through your talk because I was so inspired by the moment that you had out on slopes when you broke your femur (laughs) and you said you had this moment of clarity of how important your, your soon to be wife was to you. And that you needed to, I think you kind of phrased it along the lines, like you needed to treat her better by committing to her or whatever. And I like, I literally got up and walked out of your talk and I called my wife and I was like, I just want you to know, I really love you. And I'm sorry for how long, how much I've been working and stuff. So it's pretty emotional. Um, and, uh, I didn't get to hear the rest of your talk, but I've, I've been able to kind of look online and see some of your other presentations and stuff. So I got a little bit of the insight there, but, um, so thank you for that. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I think a couple things I wanted to just touch on. So you mentioned, um, you mentioned how your, your business has kind of like expanded in some offerings, but then maybe it sounded like you kind of pulled back from some of that. Like, I don't know if you're still offering, I don't think you're still offering like bikes or, or some of the bags you said you're yeah. kind of phasing that out. It sounded like, yep. so yep. I'd love to go into that a little bit about your strategy and, and like how that started. And when you started to you know, that accordion effect where you're going into new opportunities. And then after you hit that moment, you're like, maybe we should pull back and stick to our core. A lot of business owners struggle with that. And so and me personally, totally. so um, for context too, and I think, you know, a little bit about us as a company, but Rhino, basically we're, we're calling, we call ourselves a story company. We're video production, animation, 2d and 3d stuff. Um, so really it's all about creating experiences around storytelling, but through video and, and animation and photo. Um, but there's always opportunities to expand that into other areas and other arenas of, of storytelling. And I'm very guilty of wanting to pursue those opportunities. And I think anyone who's kind of entrepreneurial, it's so hard to keep it focused. So I think it'd be really valuable to hear your take on how you navigated those waters. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's been a it's been for sure a, a work in progress and a massive massive learning component um, as we've grown the brand because you know my temptation is is I'm an idea guy like I can come up with ideas you know, I can come up with 20 ideas today and and you know they they could half of them could be fantastic and they're all awesome but the yeah <laughs> yeah all, yeah all, yeah 100 yeah. percent of them <laughs> um, yeah. but you take one idea and it can be a distraction and so it's it's hard because there's a lot of great ideas out there and especially. You know, if you've built a brand that's somewhat flexible, um, it does allow you that. But it's all about the right time and the right opportunities. Um, it's it's more about saying no to the things that aren't going to distract you and saying yes to the things that you're a really good at. And how do you expand upon that? So, to give a little bit of context to the listeners, so we came back from that trip in Liberia in 2011. Uh, we saw you know this incredible need for clean water, mobility, education. There were there's so many needs, and so. You know, the idea was how do we how do we help with this transportation piece? I had met somebody who had had a bicycle, and they said they were able to get to and from work, where they prior they couldn't before because they had to walk and it was too far and they couldn't get there on time, et cetera, et cetera. So I was like, oh my gosh, how do we get people more bike, you know, onto more bikes? And so yeah. came over from that trip, super inspired. You know, it's kind of like, ah, oh, what if we, you know, the bottles give clean water? What if we did the bikes and they help get bikes, you know, and, yeah. and um, you know that sort of thing, and That's started right. bouncing it off people, yeah. yeah. That's actually really interesting. I want to jump in because another one of the things I want to touch on is how connected to a why value value you are as a company and the whole idea of like, what big problems are we solving? And, and almost in a way, what I'm hearing you say is, and, and you can clarify if you're not saying this, but your why can be a lot of different things, right? And so maybe it causes you to see opportunities, but then you have to have your, your business mind back on and go, okay, yes, our are we want to do all these wonderful things, but it has to make sense for our core business because um, I think in Simon Sinek's book he references you know if if the train industry had um, thought about their why as transportation and moving people where they need to get to, maybe they would have invested into um, airplanes. But mm-hmm. I'm, I'm drastically uh, paraphrasing that story. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it's almost like it causes you to look at things in a in a sense of a very optimistic light. Um, but you have to have that, that, that ebb and or not an ebb and flow, but the push and pull of, of what's pragmatic to your core business and the, the dreamer side of you maybe. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, no, you're right. But it, and it's hard because like our, our, our mission statement as a company, which is, which is inscribed in our office and, and on everything that we do, allows for flexibility so our mission statement is we exist to, to empower people with access to a better future right and so like giving people bikes absolutely fits into that you know mm-hmm. and so that so the challenge is you know we came back super inspired um bounced off people you know my wife's like i don't know you know bikes sounds like a liable thing you know our attorney's like absolutely not don't do it bicycle insurance you know people falling off suing you etc etc yeah and then uh one of my good friends introduced me to another guy who had actually started a bike company it was more of a mountain bike company downhill bike company and just shared with him hey i had this you know experience i'd love to figure this out like i don't want to innovate on bikes i just want to innovate the model of like selling bikes and helping get people bikes like no one's doing this and he was like man i love that he goes i think you're crazy but I'll help you. Um, and he and his wife had adopted a, a girl from Ethiopia. So they had gone over there for, for about a month and experienced the need and really the transformational effect of people getting on bikes and getting to and from places. And so, yeah. uh, you know, he kind of, kind of stoked the fire and I was like, well, we need to have, we need to have a good customer. And, and I knew that I didn't want to go and sell to a bunch of independent bike dealers, independent bike dealers, God bless them. They're, it's a passion business. Um, yeah. but a lot of them struggle a lot yep. of, you know, they're barely making it. 
they need dating from Specialized and Trek and all these other companies of 300 days, meaning they don't want to pay for the inventory for almost a year because it takes them that long to sell a bike. And so I was like, well, I don't want to go that route. So I literally, we got samples made, went to a trade show, pitched REI and said, hey, this is the concept we want to sell exclusively to you guys. Uh, ended up getting getting the deal done uh, with REI. So they actually launched our bikes in like five stores, and it was 15, 20, and then eventually went to all stores uh, for about two years. Wow. And then they kind of remapped their strategy of bikes and said, hey, we're actually going to you know exit the mirror line. And, and at that point, we had kind of been like, all right, we got all our eggs in one basket. It's going okay. There's It's cool. It kind of adds this weird you know component to the brand. Yeah. Um, it somewhat know, so maybe it made kinda, you... F- did it make you feel validated at all? I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes as a business owner, you have insecurities around like, yeah, I do this one thing really well, but I kind of want to be, I want to have a little bit more to what I offer totally. than that. So yeah, maybe, and, I, and, the, yeah. and at the time, you know, 2011, 2012, you know, you know, a lot of brands didn't start popping until the last couple of years. But like at that point I had seen, you know, Hydroflask, the founder sell out at, you know, for, for not much money and got yeah. absorbed by private equity um swell was really was starting to kind of creep up and get really popular so there were these these big competitors in the drinkware space you know yeti entered in the space in 2015 which a couple years later but in my head i was like oh shoot we better diversify yep or we're gonna get squashed by these so you know there was the other theory of like okay let's diversify create this lifestyle brand yep and create some some defensibility around the idea of doing good no matter what the product is so logically it made sense the challenge is when you when you have a small team and you're selling drinkware and bikes and then we got into bags which made sense you know bikes bottles bags this lifestyle thing that yep. made sense we're like oh journals some of our customers will carry that too the, the challenge is when your team's small you got to have you know a product line manager for kind of each category yep. each new category has one or two vendors which then you have to audit so then your audit fees go up because we really hold ourselves to a high standard as far as like who okay. we work with and internationally so then that expense you know that gets more expensive marketing team has to constantly think about how they're going to market all these products. Yep. Uh, so it's almost easier when there's like four people, but at that time we were like kind of getting the 15, you know, amount of people. And so it's just hard to like really get people on board to, to different categories oh, yeah. um, of products. So, so we kind of expanded this lifestyle thing and a lot of our employees internally, um, you know, we're pretty, pretty transparent and always ask for open honesty. And a lot of people are like, you know, we got to get out of these products and just like, we're winning on the drinkware space within, you know, Patagonia and REI and Amazon. Like we yep. have these amazing customers, like let's focus. And so that's what we did. We had, we had this kind of, um, you know, offside of clarity. That's awesome. Decided, you know, we're, we are, while we not, while we might not be the biggest, um, drinkware company in the world, um, and certainly probably not even in the top five, yeah. we're probably one of the best. And, and, you know, it's, it's a, it's a bold statement to say, but, you know, you look at some of the accounts that we work with, Patagonia, Blue Bottle Coffee, um, yeah. Starbucks, and it's not private label, it's mere branded, co-branded with these companies. Um, yeah, that- you know, and the, and the feedback that we're getting, it's like, we might not be the biggest, but we are one of the best. And so let's lean into that. Let's focus, let's clarify let's free up mental resource and not have to think about all these other components of bikes, bags, you know? And the, the thing that sucks is like our bags, man, our reviews were crazy good. Our customers oh. loved our bags. They're like, don't get rid of the bags, you know? And it's, yeah. it was tough, but it was, it was, it was definitely the right thing. And, uh, you know, we might get into some additional categories in the future uh, sure. when we see fit. But what I know now is that when we do do that, we will plan and say, okay, if we're going to go into this category, we're going to go out and hire an expert who's done this at other companies. Let's just call it, call it like t-shirts, right? Like if we do that, we're going to be like, all right, we're going to go in and find the person that knows how to like run a product line supply chain for, for a t-shirt, you know, and then we're going to find the sales 
team person that like has sold this before. So we're going to go in with eyes wide open and then map it out and, and do a much better job. So it was a huge learning, learning curve for sure. Um, but you know, the team, you ask anybody in the team here and it's like, I'm constantly like, what about this idea? What about that idea? You know? And a lot of times it's like, no, 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 no. And then every once in a while, you're like, Oh, yeah, let's check this out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey man, props to you for being, having the humility to listen to your team. Cause a lot of leaders really struggle with that. Um, I, I think, exemplifying that and saying like asking for feedback. And I think that's critical. Uh, I think when you, when you and I talked last time, you mentioned Pat Lencioni, same thing. I think Pat like really, really speaks on that a lot about asking for feedback and really meaning it. And so that's an awesome Mm -hmm. example of you that playing out in action. So yeah, it's and it's not easy, you know, for any for any thank you for any uh, you know leader out there who who either hasn't done or is trying to do it or wants to do it. It's it's super difficult. It's not easy, you know. But it's you know what I've learned in life is a lot of things that are worth doing aren't easy. Um, yeah, you know, marriage, starting a business, transparency, a lot of feedback. You know, it's not easy, but it's important. Uh, we ask ourselves every quarter three questions that go out to the entire company: What should we stop doing? What should we start doing? What should we keep doing? And yeah, you know, we, we've been doing that for about uh, two years and, um, it's been, uh, it's been one of those things that for us, it's been, uh, really clarifying, you know, uh, your boots on the ground, so to speak, your frontline employees, you know, they see it firsthand. So people in our store, like it's hard enough to like sell coffee and beer and bottles, but to like be a bike mechanic too is impossible, you know? And you're like, well, maybe, you know, we had one person who could do it, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Uh, so it's, you know, it's really important to get that feedback from our employees. And, and what's cool is over the last year and a half of asking those questions, you know, we've gotten a lot of good information from those questions that we, we make decisions on. Um, and from there, it's, um, you know, it's really allowed us to, to grow as a company. So super hard, but, but really important. That's killer, man. Um, so another thing I want to touch on a little bit, and um, I, I really, I, I think you're really good at this. And I would just want to encourage you that way. But Um, so I think a lot of people want to build a brand like mirror and, and a brand that has like this really strong, why value, really cool story behind how the founder, like the founder story part of it and how they came to be and the, and the, the mission they're on and and all that. And you guys seem to do that really well. Um, and so I think what I want to dig into a little bit is how you decided to start telling your story. And, and actually, cause I saw you at an event and you spoke at a conference. So I, I guess I'd like to dig in a little bit, like how you decided to do that and how you said, right. I'm going to go for this and be that guy who goes out and speaks and shares our story. And then on the flip side, I'd also love to hear how you're making that work, uh, without over exhausting yourself or, you know, your wife's <laughs> not frustrated with you. Cause my wife, yeah. I mean, it's a constant thing where we're talking about my schedule. I spent the last few days in New York and I'm in Kalamazoo and and we travel all the time. So I'd love to hear just entrepreneur to entrepreneur, how you make that work. So start yeah, with how you made sure. the decision to become a, a storyteller and speaking at conferences and such. How'd that start? Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for, thanks for the kind words. I, I really do appreciate it. Um, so we put a lot of work and effort into it. You know, it's, it's been a journey for sure. Um, you know, to, to be honest, when I, when I first started Mirror, you know, the story has always existed of, of, you know, this clarifying moment in my life. And, and I was actually quite, um, not much shy, but I would I wouldn't really share it because to me it was very personal. It was you know this is this thing that had happened to me, and I don't want to feel like I'm publicizing this you know this thing to make people think I'm special because you know I talk like we literally had a publicist and I was like this story is you know it's it's super personal to me and my family and and who I was and, and you know being not only being vulnerable to the fact that like 
pre pre accident. Like I was a tool, you know, <laughs> like yeah. I, I kind of don't want to talk about that. Yeah. And they were like, no, but that's real. Like, you know, so I kept getting these encouragement, like that's a real story. You're a real person. And, and my, the other hesitation was, you know, I had gone to conferences and, you know, you listen to people speak and listen to podcasts and, and you think these people are just, you know, super brilliant. And a lot of them are very, very, very brilliant, you know, and, and and you're like, wow, these people, you know, they're on this stage that's so high and so big that like I could never get to that. And yeah. so, uh, but then I started meeting a lot of these people and it's like, man, everybody's just, you know, every, everybody wakes up for the most part, takes a shower, takes a dump, drinks coffee, you know, like <laughs> there's a lot of differences between us for sure. But like there's yeah. this human element, you know? And so, I, you know, I got encouraged, um, you know, to kind of start sharing my, my personal story a little bit more and, and, and strategic, you know, there is a strategic element to this for sure. And that, you know, a lot of our competitors are owned by private equity or venture capitalists, right? Yeah. And so, yeah. so there's this, there's this really good and intense focus on on the product or, you know, the technology or, or whatever it is, and that's great. Um, and, and we certainly do that too with product and whatnot. But there's this human element that you can you can interact with your customers in a way that feels real or that like is inspiring, oh, yeah. um, you know, and kind of motivates. So that was that was a very intentional piece of like let's use this story. We almost like view it as a third person. Like my story is like this, this other Brian and it's like a super kind of weird way. But like it. when I, when we think about it, um, you know, we'll have, we'll have team meetings. We're like, Oh yeah. Like Brian, you'll be at this conference. You're going to share this story. We're going to, we're going to, you know, interject product with this company and do this and we'll have you share and blah, blah, blah. And, and I almost think about it like, yeah, yeah, let's, let's do that. But not in like, Oh yeah, we're going to go tell like my story and you know, I'm going to get all these followers and, and whatever. It's, it's really about growing the business yeah. um, and inspiring others to hopefully kind of do the same. And, and so far it's been amazing. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, I've had multiple people come up to me, whether it's conferences, Instagram, Twitter, literally say they started their company because of what we've done and because of wow. being inspired by my story. And it's like, to me, that's the greatest achievement um, almost in life besides having a kid is, you know, to inspire somebody else to take positive action and improve the world. Like, yeah, that's amazing. Like, I don't need people to buy more stuff. Like I want people to do things. Right. And so, you know, that was a huge kind of booster of confidence that it's not just me kind of talking to this echo chamber or just droning on and people listening to me, but people are actually like taking that. And like you, you know, you walked out of this conference and, and, you know, went and called your wife, like that's, that to me makes it, it all worthwhile. Yeah. Um, and then about four, three, four years ago, um, Jeff from Plywood Plywood Supply. I don't know if you follow follow them out of Atlanta. I'm familiar uh, with the Plywood Presents. The yeah, 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 Plywood, yeah, Plywood Presents. Um, and, and Jeff uh, just does a great job there. And, and, and he had somebody had referred me to him or something. And he's like, "Hey, we just want you to come and speak." And I was like, "Well, I've never spoken. I mean, I've like talked to people and I share my story in sales meetings." He's like, "That's okay. Like, just come and come and speak." And I'm like, "Okay, how many people are gonna be there?" He's like, "Oh, a couple thousand." I'm like, "Oh my god." <laughs> better practice yeah uh, let me you know, run through my lines is, yeah. yeah let me run through this real quick and so but what's interesting is you know it, it it's kind of it's always been somewhat second nature because it's my story right and so you know it twists and turns here and there depending on the conference if it's sales focused or marketing focused or story fo you know whatever the focus is but for the most part it was relatively easy because it was just me sharing my story and so when i got nervous about it you know my wife's like it's just your story like just share it you know and so that was kind of, so I literally like went to that event and then I kid you not, like before that event, then I got asked to speak to this other event at outdoor retailer, one of our main trade shows, uh, exact same thing, like share your story. So literally presented at plywood, plywood presents in the morning, flew from Atlanta to Salt Lake, 
got off the plane, went to this other event, spoke to the same amount of people. And then, you know, and then from there it kind of snowballed. And then I, you know, was out in Kalamazoo speaking at, um, at the Catalyst U event, yeah. which is amazing. And, yeah. and, uh, you know, I've had a couple speaking events between there. I'm headed to, to, to Santa Cruz to speak at another event in June. Nice. Um, and then it kind of stops for a little bit while we have a second kid. <laughs> oh, so man. congrats. It, yeah, thanks. So it's so it's kind of been this like ebb and flow, uh, and and the speaking piece really has become uh, an opportunity for us to not only get the word out there, but also our our business. You know, everybody drinks water, right? So really, everybody's a potential customer, and so it's strategically an opportunity for us to kind of authentically get the word out to people around the world, um, around the U.S., and uh, we also partner with a lot of businesses. So you know, we'll go, I'll go and speak, and then we'll have. I don't know about flood, but we'll definitely have businesses, you know, inquiring from, you know, HP to to whoever else saying, hey, we want to partner with you all on whether it's a corporate gift or retail opportunity. We like we want to be a part of this. And so for us, it's it's strategic um, in that it's good for business. Uh, The challenge is, as you know, like when you travel a lot, you know, it, it can be it can be somewhat exhausting. Like I was I was gone like most of gosh, was it, it was either February or March. It's kind of all a blur now. So I was gone for almost, you know, an entire month. Now, part of it, the benefit is my wife and I work together. So we'll travel together. Sometimes oh, nice. we bring our daughter with us. Um, so we've been able to make it work in that sense where we both get to go, uh, you know, on trips together and kind of make it a family event. So that's, that's kind of how we make it work. Um, yeah. You know, I'm sure there'll be a point where it's like, you know, we got to take specific opportunities or it'll be limited at some point. Um, you know, and how do you kind of scale that? But I really do get energy from traveling. So that's, that's kind of a, it's kind of one of those things that we've always done. Um, in our marriage, we've always traveled a fair amount. We just got back from a uh, three week trip in Asia, uh, visiting a bunch of partners over there. So it's always, you know, it's kind of been there, but it's, it's not always easy. You know, I was, I was going to be in uh, the Midwest this week. So we just got back from a three week trip my daughter's birthday, then it was my birthday, and then it's my dad's birthday. And, you know, I was going to be gone this week for another conference um, in the Midwest. And, you know, before he took off, um, my my assistant, Jess, she's great. She's like, you know, I think that's too much travel, you know, so having good people around you. Yeah. Just kind of say, out. hey, time out. Like, I don't I don't think it's a good idea for you, to, for you to be gone that much, especially after getting off this trip. And then you're going to be traveling again, you know, yeah. in June. So, um, yeah, and listening to those people, because I could have been like, no, we're going. I'm going to be, you know, two of my friends are there and blah, yeah. blah, blah. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, man. So it's not always easy, but it's good. Having those people looking out for your well-being, I think, is really key. It sounds like you have that. Um, we've we've been talking about that over here uh, with Rhino because we've been going for about eight years straight, and uh, I pretty much never take a day off. It's really rare, and some of my most trusted team leaders over here were like, "You really need to consider taking a sabbatical because your your whole thing depends on your creative." abilities and all the Mahin's over behind the computer shaking her head and she just started working like a month ago so she's already feeling the seeing how I'm kind of you know and it's like for me being an entrepreneur um, when we first started there was uh, I just felt like I was having these ups and downs where I would like be riding really high and like nothing could stop me seemingly in my mind for about two weeks and then I'd have a day where I just really didn't want to get out of bed at all and I was like I I don't even want to get up and uh, I hate everything. <laughs> and then yeah. uh, as I've as we've grown, though, it it doesn't happen quite. I don't crash as hard, but I do have longer periods where I'm just kind of low, and I just don't have the same drive. But then I'll regain it, and I'll be good for you know you know months at a time or whatever. But um, so I, I know that it's all good, but it's good to have those people around you to remind you that you're human. So. 
Totally. No, you should, you should take a sabbatical for sure. I, I took two weeks off, uh, like off the grid, no email, not, no communication with our leadership team or anybody really when our, when our daughter was born. And I love the two weeks so much that I took another two weeks off. <laughs> I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't come to the office. I mean, I, was, I started checking email a little bit, but I was like, this is great. And so, uh, excuse me. So that was, uh, you know, that was really, really, really healthy. And then we just took, I took about, and again, like I took three weeks off in Asia, but I was definitely not off because I had to be like on and meet with customers and whatnot. But mm-hmm. I'll probably do the same when our, when our next child is born. And uh, this summer, I'll probably take off t- at least two weeks, if not four. And, you know, I think for me, it was really hard to like disconnect at first of like, oh, I got to be involved and I got to like make this decision or that decision. And I think really the sign of the sign of true leadership is, is if you can step away for a week or two weeks or a month and the team runs, you know, yeah. like it, it means that you've been able to delegate effectively. It means that people, you've empowered people <laughs> to make their own decisions, you yeah. know, of, Hey, you know, Brian's not here. How would he think about this? All right, let's go ahead and move on this, you know, and then just setting up your company for success. Right. So like, yeah. I don't worry about it because the only person that's either wiring money or signing contracts besides myself is my CFO and I, and I trust her. So, yeah. uh, you know, that strategically that, that kind of helps out. Yeah. It's funny. Cause my wife and I sat down last night in the basement and watched the greatest showman movie. And, uh, Oh yeah. How was that? I liked it. I like musicals. It's a little poppy, uh, as far as musicals, but it was cool. Not, you know, Hugh Jackman's awesome. So, but it was, there was a funny moment where he like, he, 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 his character says to Zach Efron, basically like he tells him like, you got this and you're going to go be the, you're going to be the go, you're going to go be the greatest showman. And my wife looks over me and is like, see, he's, he delegated to Zach Efron and you need to delegate. (laughs) I was like, do you honestly think I don't delegate? I have 20 people here. Like I delegate a lot of stuff. Anyway, sorry. Fun side note. Um, so that's really awesome. Uh, a couple of the things I just want to touch on. Um, it, okay, so let me do this. Yeah. <clears throat> I think one thing that you've done really well, again, sticking kind of in the story for just a quick second. Um, I get asked, people ask me a lot because I've done a few, at Rhino, we've done a few Kickstarter projects. And those are really, mm-hmm. really interesting opportunities to see just how much social capital you have in your f- fan base or your community to see how much, people are willing to trust you with their money and, 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 and you trust that you're going to deliver on your promises. So we've done a few Kickstarters and raised money for short films and documentaries and stuff. And I feel like you've done a really good job getting people to believe in you and, and through your story. And I think that's a really compelling case for, um, a lot of people. So sorry, I'm jumping around, but a lot of people I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm, ex- I'm mixing my story and yours. So, I get a lot of people that want to say, Hey, I'd love to hear you talk about how you get people to believe in you and earn that trust. So I'm going to ask you that question. Mm. How do you get people to buy in on you and your ideas? How, how do you think you've been able to do that? That's, I mean, it's a good question uh, for sure. And you know, it's, we've, we've, we've had, we've had big, big successes on crowdfunding and big failures. Uh, people don't know about the failures cause we took it down, yeah. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> but there's some, there's some good tidbits there on, on what not to do on crowdfunding. Um, <laughs> yeah. Which has been, which has been a very humbling lesson, but, oh, yeah. um, you and, know, and I it, think you, it, it doesn't have to be crowdfunding. You can take it anywhere. Cause, but a lot of, yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. get a lot of trust in your brand. So how, how does that happen? You know, it's, it's interesting. I I think it comes down to like being, and it takes, it takes a tremendous amount of humility to do this, which I was not good at, you know, kind of pre 2006. And so, and and still it's like a work in progress uh, for sure. 
And I think it comes down to like being, being willing to be transparent to an extent <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> with your, with your customers, you know, and, and what I mean by that, like, you know, the highs and lows that, you know, as an entrepreneur, like most entrepreneurs feel these ex- like unbelievable highs and these un almost un- seemingly unbearable lows, right. Yep. To the point of like, like you better have a psychologist or coach or like somebody you can call and be like, yo, I'm like, not, I can't even get out of bed today, you know, yep. and, yep. and, and never, to, you know, not to the quite, you know, not to the point of like, um, you know, like suicide or anything, but like there's oh, yeah. dramatic stats, at least right now. And I think it's because entrepreneurial has entrepreneurship has like become popular uh, oh, yeah. in the last like five years or so. And so people want to do this and really it takes a certain person who's willing to actually do it. And so I think, you know, there's been this kind of growth in, in, uh, unfortunately in the number of people who have committed suicide who are quote unquote entrepreneurs and, and not a, a lot of people are talking about it, uh, which is too bad because it's, um, it is, it is it is one of the hardest things that you will do ever. I mean, raising a raising a human is hard uh, for sure. Yeah. There's challenges there, but the amount of stress that goes on with with running a company. And so, what I mean by like kind of transparent, like yeah, yeah, no, I get it. I don't need to share with my followers like the low, 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 low lows, right? Like nobody right. wants to like be involved with that. Uh, well, your close friends like, do. The, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the close friends, like yeah, yeah, I'm talking like social media and like kind of yes. that transparency, like being being transparent in the right places. Maybe how I should phrase that. Where like I have. I have, an, I have three individuals who all own their own companies and we have a secret code uh, that we can't share with anybody else. And if anybody says that secret code over text or call uh, or whatever, you know, whatever form of communication, the bat symbol, right? You know, somebody has to call them back within five minutes. Oh, wow. um, it's just kind of the thing. And so, and we've all activated it. Like in the last five years, we've all activated it because you know, there's moments where you're like, holy smokes, like, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. And I need to talk to somebody who's not going to A, judge me they're going to listen and they're going to hopefully provide some sort of wisdom or just, and even if they don't have wisdom to be like, dude, I feel you and I'm here. I don't know how I can help you, but thanks for sharing. Like yeah. if you don't, if you don't have those people get them in your life because it's so important. Yeah. Uh, but kind of moving to like the brand side of things, you know, how do, how do people follow us? How are they willing to, to trust us you know, with their money? And I think it comes down to, you know, being, being open and transparent and, and really, cause that, that allows you to be your genuine, your genuine self. And I think at a, at a human level, right? Like we all want to connect to people. We want to connect to people that are, that are real. They have emotions. Um, they have ideas. And, you know, again, that's like kind of why we're sharing my story a bit more is like people want to connect with that. And so I think for our brand, we've been able to kind of connect, um, at a deeper level than some of our competitors perhaps is that, we're being authentic. We're being real. We're being transparent. When you, when we mess up, like you got to own it, and it's it's hard. Like I remember we had we had a issue with a, a product launch years and years ago with our first insulated growler. Like the lid was a total disaster. Mm. People weren't happy. They couldn't open it. It was like the worst product experience ever. And it was going to cost us a bunch of money to retool, air freight, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But you know, we owned it. We emailed everybody and said, "Hey, guess what? We totally messed up on this. We're fixing it." here's how we're fixing it. We will update you when we have more information. So like, yeah. thanks for being patient. And it's amazing how much people just like appreciate being in the, in the know. Yep. Like it's weird that our gut reaction is like, let's not talk about it. Hopefully it'll just like blow over. Yep. Uh, they won't notice reality, it's messed like, up. Yeah. yeah. They won't notice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And in reality, no, they notice, <laughs> oh, yeah. they, but, but what are you going to do about it? Right. And I think, you know, if you look at people's failures, the ones that fail the most, the ones that try to cover it up, a good example is one of our competitors, SIG, 2010, 2009, 2010, independent testing showed that their their plastic liner and their bottles had BPA in it. 
Mm. And what they did is they they literally lied about it. They literally sent out a memo from their CEO saying that the independent testing was wrong or that they didn't have BPA in it. Mm. And then more testing came out that showed that they were lying. So they like got caught lying. And then what happened was they still like refused to like replace all the bottles, probably because they're like, that'll cost an arm and a leg and like be really expensive. Guess what? They ended up filing bankruptcy in the U.S. because they lied, and then everybody else kicked them out. Wow! Like it was wild. <laughs> yeah, man. It, uh, and and you don't want people to fail, but it is it is it it's like there's order in the universe when someone when someone has to come to justice for not being honest with something like that. So I'm sure you know there's a lot more to it. I don't want to. I don't know those guys at all, but it's compelling. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it's, you know, it's a good, a good reminder to be like, man, you got to be open and honest and, and really yeah. just own up to it. And I think that it, it leads to, to more success. And what I mean by that is like, that was probably the, not the first lie that this competitor had been involved with, you know? Yeah. So like they didn't just get there on that day. There were probably things that happened before that were like, they probably knew that that liner was not the right liner, Yep. but they were like, mm, it's going to be okay. Or, no one will find out about it or whatever, or like, like we're having so much success. It doesn't matter. So like, that's why you got to constantly like evaluate yourself and be like, are we being the best possible self? Because yeah. if you start lying and it's the next line, the next line, you know what I mean? So it's, Oh like, yeah. 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 Being faithful in the small. Um, so mm-hmm. something we talk about a lot here is um, how, when in a, in a creative company, there's almost always the opportunity for something to go wrong and, project to project, there can always be an opportunity for something to go wrong. So we've kind of almost come to embrace it when there is a problem because it's almost like, Oh boy, this is awesome. We get to show them how we handle problems. And that allows us Mm -hmm. to grow so much, earn so much more trust than if everything just always worked perfectly and they're always happy. It's like when you're in a relationship and someone says, Oh, we never fight. You know that, well, you're probably not being totally sincere. You really haven't encountered a true conflict yet. So we embrace the opportunity. They're either lying or they don't have a good relationship. Yeah. The, oh yeah. <laughs> Bingo. No, that's, I mean, that's exactly right. We had, we had an issue where, uh, quite recently, actually this year where we, we sent out a bunch of product um, to a customer and ended up having like a 90% error rate on this, on this product. And wow. first of all, super uncommon. We had delivered for this customer for years. And so our team, uh, you know, without even, cause I wasn't, I wasn't involved on the account without even me prompting, two of our VPs got on a plane, flew to the customer, uh, not just to say, hey, like, is it actually this high, but to understand what was the issue? How did it get to this? And then I flew down and met with the, with the headquarter, with the team at the headquarters and sat down and just said, hey, you know what? This is totally on us. We're still evaluating how this happened. It, it, you know, we want to say that it won't happen again. Um, this specific issue should not happen again because we're going to correct it. Uh, but we will make this right period, end of story. We're sorry it happened. We know it's going to slow down business, but we will make this right. And they were like, this is never, no one's ever done this before. They're like, we worked with this other competitor of yours and they tried to cover up that they had this quality control issue and you guys just owned it and you fixed it. And guess what? The next day they placed like another purchase order for the future business, you know? And it's like, that's that's, that's how you have to show up. And it's, but it's not easy. You know, I'm going to this meeting thinking like, oh my gosh, we're going to lose this account. Yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh man. I know that feeling. Yeah. Well, cool. Um, well, I know we're running low on time. Uh, I just want to give you an opportunity to let us know like what's next for you guys. Anything you can share that's exciting. that's coming up. Uh, feel free to share that. And I also want to know, uh, where people can find you more online. Yeah. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me on. It's it's always good to be able to share kind of knowledge and insights and hopefully encourage other people out there who are going through the same thing or, or want to start going through, um, you know, what it's like to be an entrepreneur. It's, it's the best thing you'll ever do. It's definitely not the easiest, but like I said, 
most things worthwhile in life are not easy. So um, it's good. It's good. But uh, yeah, you can, I mean, we're, we're primarily engaging on, on Instagram um, is where most of our content lives these days. Uh, We've got a summer packed full of great product launches coming out. Um, You know, we've got products in the beer and coffee space, but you know, we're looking at some stuff in the wine category, the cocktail category um, that'll be coming out later this year. Um, So new products, yeah, which is super exciting. Um, yeah, and then I'm trying to think of what else. What else? We just crossed $600,000 in granting um, since inception, which is pretty cool. Sure. Um, so we've been cele- we've been celebrating that. Um, but yeah, mirror.com, the website. You know, we keep it fresh, even though a lot of a lot of traction on social media. We still still pay attention to our website. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah, but yeah, we're we're developing some good content. Um, so yeah, follow us on mirror.com at mirror on Instagram. You can follow me, Brian Pape, on Instagram. It's kind of I actually deleted my Facebook account a while ago, so I'm I know everyone's like, Well yeah, but Instagram is owned by Facebook. I'm like, I, I'm fully aware. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's my method of choice. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Well, cool, man. So, uh super yeah. appreciate your time. It's been really good for me. Uh I, I love doing this because I get to one, I get to meet new people, but I get to hear from them on a on a personal level and, and kind of connect with them on this a thing I wish I had when we were starting just the opportunity mm-hmm. to hear more from actual human beings willing to be honest and transparent, like you said. Um, so very cool, man. Appreciate that. Um, oh yeah. Happy, happy to jump on. So yeah, thanks for hosting us. Right on. Thank you, Brian. Right on. Yeah. Thank have a good rest of your day. You too. All right. Thanks. All right. All right.